Welcome to the Old School Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. This meeting was born online, and it's going to stay that way. That means you can attend live on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 Pacific if you'd like to. Go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Hi, my name is Wendy H., and I'm a real compulsive reader. And I'm thrilled to be here. It looks like we have at least 62 beautiful souls that are here one day at a time walking the 12-step path with Readers Anonymous, and it's really a pleasure to be here with all of you. Um, I really want to make sure that I welcome George and Sonia and Alita. Welcome back. Anybody else who's new or newish? Um, you know, it's the first three meetings are when we announce ourselves as newcomers, but it's not like at the fourth meeting, we're somehow long timers. So really want to welcome anybody who's here. If if you have ever uh, been depressed when you go to eat what you think is the last bite of a meal and it turns out you had already had it and the meal's over before you realized it, welcome to Overviews Anonymous. If you've ever lied, cheated, stolen uh, food, if you've ever put food in the, the trash compactor or the garbage thinking I am never ever going to eat this again, only to go back in an hour or five minutes or two hours and eat the rest of it. If you've ever purged, if you've ever starved yourself, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous and, and welcome home. This is the most important thing in my life. And um, I'm so grateful to be here. And I hope that people feel safe tonight. I love that you have a newcomer meeting afterwards. Um, that's really important. I, I also want to thank Stacy. She's been very patient with me in finding a date that worked, gently prompting me to sign the signature, re- the speaker release, gently prompting me on a variety of things. So I really appreciate that. I didn't expect to be nervous, but I got to tell you, I got nervous when I came on and saw some of the um, people in recovery who have been here so much longer than I have and just all the powerful recovery. And I'm surprised uh, uh, that I'm a little nervous, but I am. Um, so I am a real compulsive overreader. I'm, I'm not someone that's sort of a questionable case. If you heard my story, uh, even for a minute, you'll know that I, I belong here. I've earned my seat. Um, what it was like for me before I came in was completely hopeless and I was completely helpless. And what it's like for me now is that I, I have hope and I have a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. Who knew that the Power comes from being powerless, not being powerless. I didn't understand that before. So um, what I would like to do is do the best I can to share my experience, strength, and hope. Know that I'm not an expert on Overeaters Anonymous. Um, if I say anything like in my humble opinion, you want to just disregard it right away. I don't have one of those. I, I will try not to have a humble, uh, not to have an opinion. And I will um, do my best to um, share the message of Overeaters Anonymous. And why that's really important is Wendy H's message got me to 194 pounds and I'm only 5'4 and I don't think I was done had not had I not had the intervention of Overeaters Anonymous. So it's really important for me that I try to stick to the message of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I did not come in here on a winning streak. Like I said, my top weight was 194 pounds. Uh, I've been absent by the grace of a higher power I found here, which is amazing because I came an atheist and very judgmental of anyone who had any kind of a God, because that's how I was raised. Um, 
and uh, I couldn't stop eating. I was at a noon meeting today in OA, one of my favorite regular meetings, and the speaker talked about eating like an animal. And I thought, yeah, I ate like an animal. And years ago, I was sponsoring someone who at the meeting was speaking. And she had, I had like maybe two years in recovery at the time. And I heard her talk about demonic eating. And I thought, yeah, demonic eating. That's me too. Um, there was nothing I wouldn't do to get to my drug of choice. My drug of choice happens to be food. I have since August 3rd, 1989, um, been absent under the definition of Overeaters Anonymous. And for me, I eat three meals a day, nothing in between, no sugar, um, more than 20 plus years of no flour. Um, I, I don't eat what I call methadone foods. Methadone foods are foods that you can get at maybe a healthy store um, or that have nine different kinds of artificial ingredients in them, um, but taste like sugar. I mean, I have to be really careful about that stuff because I have a physical addiction, but I have a mental obsession. And um, I'm going to read a few passages from the big book of what I, I like to refer to this because I'm not in the beverage program. I like to refer to this as the big book of O-Readers Anonymous. I do realize that it's very powerful for people in the other programs, and I respect that. Um, sorry, I'm timing myself, so I want to just make sure. Okay, so I'm just going to read a few passages because it tells my story better than I could. On page 30 and more about compulsive overeating, it says, most of us have been unwilling to admit that we were real compulsive readers. No one likes to think that she or he is bodily and mentally different from their fellows. Therefore, it is not surprising that our drink eating careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove that we could eat like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he or she will control and enjoy their compulsive eating is the great obsession of every abnormal eater. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing, and many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. Um, and then on page 24, under there is a solution. It says, the fact is that most compulsive readers, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in eating certain foods. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against that first compulsive bite. And for me, that's the ism of my disease. And ism for me stands for incredibly short memory. Before O-Readers Anonymous, every day literally was my last meal. You know, I was never, ever going to eat like this again. So I got to do a whole bunch of it now because tomorrow is going to be different. And tomorrow morning, you know, by nine or 10 o'clock in the morning, even though I was a complete workaholic, I was leaving work under false pretenses and going someplace where I could pretend to order a bunch of stuff for other people, which actually I, of course, all ate myself. Um, you know, I, I had a, a crown replaced, front tooth crown replaced this summer or last spring, I guess. Um, and that crown originally came about when I was a freshman at Michigan State University in the middle of winter. And I had binged on peanut M&Ms the day before, which by the way, I didn't even like peanut M&Ms. I liked M&Ms. And then I saw the calorie count was the same in peanut M&Ms as in regular. And I thought, well, that's healthier. So I taught myself to like peanut M&Ms. The, the logic in that makes total sense to me today. So I had apparently binged on peanut M&Ms the day before. It's the dead of winter. I get in my car and I'm driving someplace and one lone green peanut M&M rolls out on the floor. Now, if you're like me, you're going to die if you don't get that one last piece of food. Um, and so I, 
popped it in my mouth and chewed down on it, forgetting that in the middle of winter in Michigan, uh, something like that's going to be frozen. And I broke my front tooth. And, and now I'm old enough that I had to replace the crown. So, and then the last thing I want to read really quickly um, is on page 44 under we agnostics. And again, I came in here atheist. So um, the, the appendix two on spiritual awakening and chapter four is very important to me. If when you honestly want to, you find you cannot eating, you cannot quit entirely. Or if when eating certain foods, you have little control over the amount you take, you're probably a compulsive reader. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness, which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So that's, that's who I am without the intervention of our readers anonymous. I am a demonic eater, an animal eater. I did not come in here on a winning streak. Um, I hated the G word when I first came in. I, I now, I, I don't, I, you know, it says in the, in the 12th step, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And I believe that I've had a spiritual awakening. Um, I don't have a specific name that I refer to my higher power on. It rotates a lot. A lot of times I say goddess, but my higher power is genderless. Um, higher spirit, big love, great mystery. It doesn't matter. It's not Wendy H. That's really the bottom line. Wendy H. Again, 194 pounds. I don't think that was my top weight. If I don't ask God to come between me and the food, the food will come between me and God. So I rely on a power greater than myself um, that I don't always understand. And because of that, I truly live a life today beyond my wildest dreams. There is nothing in my life my relationships, where I live, my business success, my health that isn't beyond what I would have um, dreamed of. I mean, I love that line in, from Roseanne, you know, living a life beyond my wildest dreams. That's true for me. And if you told me on August 3rd, 1989, the first day I got absent, that I wasn't going to eat sugar and flour and all this other stuff for 32 years, one month and three days, I would have uh, gone right into the store and gotten a whole bunch of stuff because I didn't understand but the good news is uh, you taught me to just do it one day at a time. And anything that I want to eat is still going to be there tomorrow. There has been no food that has become extinct since I came into Overeaters Anonymous. None. That's amazing. I'm already at 10 minutes. Um, so uh, the tools that I use are the tools that are in the OA literature. I don't have anything unique to offer. Um, you know, I read the literature. I sponsor. I have a sponsor. I, my home group is a step study mean, step tradition mean, and on Saturday mornings that I've gone to ever since I came into Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I have a higher power that I rely on. Um, I, I have a, uh, lots of things that I do around that. Um, in the last two and a half years, you know, there have been outside issues that have influenced my life and, and my recovery. And there are some things I do now I didn't do before. Early on um, in that time period, I started texting someone at the end of the day and just say, my dinner's over, you know, kitchen's closed, whatever. It's kind of an old Richie K thing, put down the fork, right? So I just started doing that. I, I'm amazed I've announced it the last two and a half years. And I just started testing negative for a particular illness that I had, you know, three weeks ago. I've only been out of it for a week. I'm abstinent through all that. How is that possible? I couldn't be abstinent if somebody just, um, didn't say hello to me in the right tone of voice when I was walking down a hallway at work. I couldn't stay absent if I was awake. I mean, that's what I did. I was awake. I ate. And, and today, you know, I, I just truly am amazed by the grace of this program. 
Um, what else do I do differently in the last couple? Obviously, I go to a lot of meetings out of town. <laughs> I go to a lot of Zoom meetings. Um, I, I picked up a second sponsor. Uh, my husband had a heart attack almost two years ago, and I was chairing a meeting in the Santa Rosa area, and I was talking about it when it first happened. It was very, very frightening. He was on the bike trail alone, could have died. And there was a woman who just kept nodding, and I felt like she heard me, and I had shared a retreat in that area a couple times years earlier. And so I called her like a week later and asked if she'd be my sponsor. Um, and I started out calling her my my husband had a heart attack sponsor. Because I, because her husband did have a heart attack, and um, and I felt disloyal to my current sponsor if I didn't have like some special label for it. And you know, now I just have two sponsors, and they, I go to them both, you know, and um, they support me, and um, and I certainly support and and try to be of service whenever I can. So, um, I, you know, uh, what do we want to say left? Um, if you're new and it doesn't make any sense, keep coming back. Um, reach out to somebody, text, call. My phone number, I hope is on screen. Yes, my phone number is on screen. That's also my text. I love to talk to people in recovery. What I learned in Overeaters Anonymous by working the steps and working the traditions is a way to live my life sanely and peacefully and beautifully and truly um, to be happy and joyous and free. And I've had, you know, my parents have died. My husband had a heart attack. I started a business. I'd sold a business. Um, you know, I've had issues in my life and yet by the sheer grace of this power that I found here, I continue to be abstinent. So, um, just checking to make sure there's something in the chat for me. Okay. So I think, um, you know, maybe to, to close, um, I think maybe to close, I'm going to share a story. Uh, I was a fat kid always, my whole life. Parents compulsive overeaters, chosen last for a dodgeball when I was in school because we didn't even have volleyball and soccer and all that. And in 1993, I was four months absent in this program. I jogged the California International Marathon. That's impossible. It's just not possible that someone like I could jog the California International Marathon. I did it one mile at a time, just like you taught me. And in that, I learned um, that until 1954, no one had broken a four-minute mile. And believe me, it wasn't going to be me, but nobody had broken a four-minute mile. And it was there was over 50 medical journals that said that Wendy, it was- pardon yeah. me. You're at 15, just so you know. Great. Okay. I'm going to wrap up with this. Thank you so much. Um, there were over 50 medical journals internationally that said it was impossible to break the four minute mile because the human heart and lung couldn't handle it. In 1954, Roger Bannister in England broke the four minute mile. And I didn't look it up because I didn't know I was going to share this story, but I think it was like 117 people broke the four minute mile within a year. A massive number of people in different parts of the globe broke the four-minute mile once it had happened. And the difference, as I understand it, is they had hope. They believed it was possible. So they could conceive it, they could believe it, and they could achieve it. That's what Overeaters Anonymous does for me. You all give me hope. There are people on this meeting that have, were here when I came in, and there are people tonight for their first meeting. All of that gives me so much hope. There's nothing we can't do together at Overeaters Anonymous. And before I came in here, there was nothing I felt like I could do. Again, animalistic, demonic eater, 
that today is, I don't even know if I said what I weigh, weigh like 124 pounds and I'm maintaining a 70 pound weight. God is maintaining a 70 pound weight loss for me. So um, thank you so much for the honor and privilege of letting me be here today.